This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Give it up for our worship team. Don't they do a great job every week? What a blessing it is to be able to worship with you guys this morning. I graduated college at the age of 23 and got married very shortly after. I was 23 years old and my wife, Courtney, was 20. And I'll never forget that feeling of like, we're finally becoming adults. We graduated, we're getting married. And so when it came time to pick where we're going for our honeymoon, we made the decision, let's go to one of those all-adult, all-inclusive beach places, right? Because then, like, we get to be real adults. Like, no kiddie pool, no kids' table. Like, this is the real deal. And so we were headed there, and we're, like, feeling really good about ourselves. Like, we hadn't been home yet and accepted adult responsibilities and bills and all that stuff, but this is, like, that first time in your life where you pretend to be adults. And so we're feeling good about ourselves, and I'll never forget that very first night uh, Courtney's getting ready and she's all dressed up. We're getting ready to go to dinner and she, she says, well, how do I look? And we're like 24 hours into marriage. So I'm, I'm like thinking, um, well, here's the thing, you know, guys don't really, yeah, we're not good with that question. Um, because, and let me, let me tell you why, ladies, like guys have this built-in confidence, okay? We can be out mowing the yard for three hours, sweating in the Houston humidity, our hair crazy, come in, look at the mirror and say, man, I look good today. Like, what is it? Like, it's just in there. I just, I look, man, I, oh, I look pretty good. Okay. And I saw, so I'm like thinking, what am I, what am I going to say? What I, like, we're only 24 hours in. I can't fail now. Like, and I looked at her and I said, honey, you look as beautiful as the day I married you all 24 hours ago. Right. And like my confidence is feeling good. She thought it was so cute. So I'm like feeling really good about myself. Like 20, hour 25, we got this. We're covered. We're going to make it. And then we went to dinner. And we walked downstairs and we go down to the stand in line to go into dinner. And the lady in front of us in line looks back at us and says, are y'all like married? And I'm like standing there thinking like, are you not picking up on this glow thing we got going on here? Like, look at her ring, the blink. We're adults, like, can't you tell? And uh, I'll never forget that feeling. And, and I started, uh, you know, getting a little nervous what she means. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, well, I thought you were like 12 years old. And in that moment, the confidence that I had just started to shrivel. And that wasn't it because then she turned around and I went home and I was so offended that I tried to grow a beard, you know, I'm like... It's like seven years later, I'm still working on it, but, you know, but I do, I am turning 30 this week and uh, I'm already balding. So, so the beard doesn't do much for me anymore. I don't want people to think I'm 12, but as she turned around, she looked at me and she goes, well, I hope you can actually make it. And 24 hours into our marriage, people were crying and it wasn't her. <laughs> and I'll never forget that feeling in the moment of just the night before we stood there as some of our closest friends and family celebrated us and said, you can do it. They even threw rice in our face and as they sent us off. In that moment, I remember the confidence beginning to crash like a plane and, and thinking, man, we live in a world that loves to tell us all the things that we can and cannot do, don't we? And as I got to thinking about it, you know, we, the reality is every single one of us wake up every single day and go to schools or jobs or, or in families where people love to tell us that maybe we're not good enough or maybe you can't make it or no one's ever gonna pick you or maybe your life can't get any better, you're too far 
gone. And when we find ourselves up against those situations and circumstances in life, what happens is our inner confidence that allows us to stand in front of the mirror and say, you look good, begins to dwindle over time. And so we find ourselves in those types of situations. But one of the, one of the good things about being a follower of Jesus is this. We have an inner confidence booster. We have an inner confidence Booster. One of the most confidence-boosting scriptures I've ever read comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And it says this. It says, if God is for us, who or what, for that matter, can be against us? If God is for us, and we do believe that, then who or what can be against us? So when we find ourselves in those situations where people don't believe the best about us, we find ourselves at our job or in our families experiencing things that we never thought would happen to us. Maybe it's a storm that you're facing today that you've been going through in this last season. You weren't expecting to weather it, so you hadn't prepared as much as maybe you thought you needed to. Maybe there are some situations in your life because of the storm you felt like quitting or giving up, and you found yourself throwing away some dreams that you used to have or some ideas or, or visions about your family that you used to have. And you begin to wonder, where did my confidence go? I used to have this glow about me. I used to walk around and, and feel like I got things that are going for me. And when you find yourself in that situation, I want to encourage you this morning that the Lord has a word just for you. Because as I look back seven years, 11 days, and eight hours ago, I don't know who's counting, um, I wish I could tell that lady, it's not over yet. You see, sometimes in life, things are just getting started, but it feels like they're coming to an end. And if only I could shed some light into her life and say, you know, maybe you've had some experiences or some storms along the way that are causing you to project the feeling that it's the end of the rope for you, that it has to be that way for me. But I know that if the world says that I can't, I serve a God who says that I can and when we find ourselves in those situations, I just want to encourage you this morning. The title of today's message is, It's Not Over Yet. Is there an area of your life where you've been experiencing a confidence killer? Something that's been dragging you down or weighing you down? You see, we all go through them every day. They sometimes take on the same form. For many of us, it's the feeling of failure. The feeling of a failed relationship, a failed job or career or business. Maybe it's a gift or a talent that has kind of come up dry for you. And it's this feeling that failure brings that it has a way of conditioning us to make us feel like maybe we shouldn't try again. Maybe we should just not put ourselves back out there. It's, it's this idea of like a baseball player standing up at the batter's box taking a swing. And he strikes out one too many times until eventually he realizes maybe this isn't my thing and maybe it's just not worth trying. You see, failure has this way of growing inside of us, making us believe that we can't do it. And if we're not careful and we don't keep failure in check with the realities of what God says in his word, we'll find ourselves with a diminishing level of confidence in our lives. Maybe it's not failure for you. Maybe it's uncertainty. The pressure of uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen next. Maybe not knowing what the future holds for you. It could be with your child who is sitting on the fence and continually totters, teeter-totters back and forth, and you're not just quite sure which way they're going to fall in the end. And as a parent, the, the stress or the anxiety or the worry that that might cause in your home, 
not knowing which way they're going to go. Maybe it's the uncertainty of your finances, the bills that are piling up, and you wonder, you see your bank account, and you don't know quite how it's all going to work out. Maybe every day you get up and you go to your job, and your boss, he's hot one day and cold the next, back and forth, and you begin to wonder and worry, am I going to make it here much longer? Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe there's some uncertainty in your home, a spouse or a family member who has not made the decision to go all in in your family. And you begin to wonder, how are the cards going to play out here? And uncertainty has this pressure about it, not knowing in the present what the world of possibilities and opportunities are out there for us. And it leaves us in this place where we feel like we don't have the confidence we need to keep going. If it's not uncertainty for you, maybe it's fear, the fear of the unknown. You see, fear has a way of creeping in like a thief in the night. It just kind of sneaks in on your confidence, and all of a sudden you wake up one day and realize maybe you're a little more afraid of some situations or circumstances than you thought. The fear of rejection, the fear of being alone or losing someone, or maybe it's the fear of a storm that you're facing this year. And if we're not careful, all of these confidence killers have the possibility of building up in front of us, building up like a wall that we stand up against and we look at this wall of confidence killers in our lives and think, how in the world am I going to make it to the other side? How, it's, it's too tall, it's impossible for me to scale that wall. And it's in those moments that we realize we need something. It's in those moments that we realize we need a leg up. We need a boost in that moment, a confidence booster that can help us to see over the wall, that can help us to get to places that maybe we can't get on our own. You know, the other day I was standing um, at my wife's doctor's appointment. My, My wife is eight months pregnant. I'm being a good husband and I'm just standing there and the doctor looks at me and says, um, you need a booster shot. And I'm thinking, um, she's the patient, not me. Like, I don't really do needles, like, what are you talking about? And the doctor says, you need a booster shot. And I'm like, "Um, I know I've put on a few sympathy pounds, but uh, she's the one that's eight months pregnant. And I read the book. She gave me a book, and I read it, all of it, and I'm reading it, and it says, I'm just here for moral support. And the doctor, the doctor's like, "Um, you need a booster shot. It's called a Tdap booster shot. It's an immunization And you need this shot because it's going to protect you and your baby from getting sick. And I'm like, I'm not sick, so um, I I don't need that. And the doctor says, just trust me. This shot, what it's going to do is it's going to get in there and work beneath the surface. You don't even know what's going on inside of you. And, And it's going to get in there and work beneath the surface so that in the moments when you need it most, it'll be ready. You know, I got to thinking about that. That's kind of the way confidence works. You know, at at times in our life, we need a confidence booster that works like an immunization that the Lord gives us beneath the surface so that in times when we need it the most, it's there for us and it's ready to go. The good news is with Jesus, we have that built-in confidence booster at our right hand at all times. And what happens is when we make the choice and the decision to say, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. I'm going to strengthen my confidence in the Lord today. What happens is we begin to develop a reservoir that's deep with inside of us. We dig a well that's deeper than, than what we started out as. And what happens is then we have the opportunity to draw from that reservoir in the moments and the hours of our life when we need it the most. In the middle of the storms that we're facing. 
You know, in the Bible, there's a couple stories of people who were facing a storm. Uh, one of them is Jonah in the belly of the whale. You've heard, many of you have heard that story. Jonah overboard lands in the belly of a whale. Another story of some men on a boat who get a little bit scared is uh, the disciples. They're sleeping and a storm comes about on the sea and they get a little worried and freaked out and Jesus is over there sleeping. So they wake Jesus up. I don't know if I'd wake him up, but they did and it worked for them. The third story that you haven't maybe heard as much about is a story by the name, a man named Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. A lot of the letters that you have read, that you've heard, you, were written by Paul. And Paul is on the ship in the middle of a storm with 276 men. And the storm came up and it caught him by the surprise. And here's what we read in Acts 27, verse 14 through 20. It says, Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted aboard. Then when they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together, because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Goes on to say, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of our being saved. Paul is on a boat with 276 men in the middle of the sea and a storm comes about that they weren't expecting and Paul stands up and says, men, I've heard from the Lord. I have good news. You see, there's this movie that you haven't seen yet called the Titanic. And the ship goes down and there's nothing you can do about it. And the men on the boat are like, Paul, what a ringing vote of confidence. Thank you, sir. I'm feeling so good about my life. And Paul says, hold on just a minute, but don't worry. Nobody has to be Jack today. You all get to be Rose. It's this thought that the ship is going down. But guess what, guys? You're going to make it. It's this thought that it's not over yet. And you see Paul and the men, they've been on the ship and they weren't expecting this wind to come in the direction that it did and it pushed them out and the Bible says that it drove them along. On top of that, they got to a place where they felt like their strength was letting up. And the more we know, the more we forfeit our strength, what we find is the, the weaker we begin to feel, the less confidence we seem to have. In fact, the storm was so bad that it says that they began to throw stuff overboard. Precious cargo that used to have meaning for them, used to have value, all of a sudden in the midst of a storm became worthless, so they start throwing it overboard. And in time, somebody got a brilliant idea that said, you know, our ship has kind of fallen apart, so let's just take the spare ropes lying around here and let's just tie our boat together. Surely that will help it against the storm. And literally, they're in the storm. Their boat is literally hanging on by a thread. When that doesn't solve all their problems, they take the anchor and they throw it off and they let it drag against the ocean floor. And their mindset, their thinking is, well, at least when we crash this thing, if the anchor slows us down, we won't hit it so hard. Man, I read this story and you think, um, are they talking about a ship or are they talking about our lives? You've seen those guys who named their boat, you know, put the name on the back of the boat. And you like see the name and you're like, um, is that like your wife or your girlfriend or your boat or both or all? I mean, you read the story and you're thinking, 
Is my name written across the back of this boat because I've been in a few storms? Man, there are some things that I've come up against that I've begun to wonder if I'm going to make it out. Man, the strength that I used to have somewhere, I don't know, I lost it along the way. Man, there are some confidence killers that have come into my life and they've like bound themselves around my ankle. And sometimes if, if, if I don't keep it in check, what happens is they feel like an anchor that I'm dragging along the ocean floor behind me. And sometimes it feels like I'm literally hanging on by a thread. Maybe you've been in a situation in your life where you feel like the storm has come up against you and you're not quite sure how you're going to make it to the other side. See, what happens is all hope is lost. And as the Bible said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, when you begin to look at it, the more we forfeit our hope and surrender to the storm, the more confidence we forfeit. So this morning, I want to encourage you that this story doesn't end here. You see, Paul finds himself in the midst of this storm, maybe like a storm that you're facing today or have faced in years past. And he has a word of encouragement that says, it's not over yet. He stands up in the middle of the boat and he says, guys, I've spent some time with the Lord and here's what I need you to know. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you don't have to surrender your life to the storm. You see, the storm that you're facing, it may be loud, It may be screaming at you. There may be some things that came up unexpected. But let me promise you this, that with Jesus, you can be confident that it's not over yet. And Paul stands up on the midst of the ship with 276 men. And here's what he says in Acts chapter 27, verse 21. He says, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before the men and said, men, you should have taken my advice. Don't you love it when people tell you you're wrong? especially in the midst of your storm. Paul stands up in front of these men. He's the prisoner on the boat, and he says, I told you not to sail from Crete. If you would have listened to me, then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to do this. Keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of everyone who sails with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me it would. I love that story. I love that story because it's real. Because it, it, it sheds light on some of the circumstances and situations in our life where we find ourselves in a storm but need a glimpse of hope like Paul to stand in the storm and say, there may be a storm around me, it may be loud, but I believe that it will all work out the way God has promised me. There are three things this morning I think we learned from the story of Paul on the ship that I think can help us boost our confidence. Some things we can do to refuel our confidence levels. And the first one is this, when we're facing a storm, we have to resist or reject the temptation to give in to fear. One of the first things Paul says is, keep up your courage, men. In other words, it's a choice. Make a choice to not be afraid. And I think Paul, in the underlying service, he knows something. He knows that that our confidence doesn't have the ability to grow in the midst of fear. It would be like taking confidence and making it like a seed and planting it in the ground. Planting it in a flower bed and then taking fear and trying to water it. And what happens is it doesn't get the nutrients or the nourishment that it needs to grow in a healthy way. 
And so Paul is saying you have to reject this fear if you want your confidence levels to rise. If you're looking today for a sense of confidence in your life, maybe it starts for you with rejecting fear. Isaiah 41.10, one of my favorite scriptures, says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, because I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You have the power in your life to make the decision and the choice on a daily basis to reject the fear that tries to come against you by choosing to believe one simple fact, that God is with me and he will not leave me, he will not forsake me, and he will always help me. Um, I have a, when I was 12 years old, I went fishing with my dad and my great uncle Les. Um, actually, he was more like my crazy great uncle Les. Uh, do any of y'all have any crazy uncles or aunts? No, okay. If, if you don't know who that is in your family, um, chances are it could be you. So, um, My uncle was crazy for a lot of reasons. He's probably crazier than yours. Um, one, one of the ways, um, he actually had lost his arm, and so he had a prosthetic arm, but it wasn't just any prosthetic arms. It wasn't the scientifically advanced ones. It was the one with the old school Captain Hook hook, metal hook. So Uncle Les would come up, and he'd grab you by the ear, and he'd just drag you along. Uncle Les smoked for 50 years, several packs a day. His voice was raspy, and so he'd sit over in his chair with a hook, smoking a cigarette, and you're looking at him as a 12-year-old boy thinking, I'm going to wet my pants, right? <laughs> he was crazy. And um, in fact, I'll tell you just, um, well, yeah, I guess I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> he lost his arm when he made the decision one day that he was going to go fishing with dynamite. <laughs> You're not allowed to laugh, okay? I am. He's my uncle. I can laugh, okay? But not you. And um, yeah, that didn't go so well for him. So my dad and my crazy uncle Les and I were going to go fishing without the dynamite. I was only 12, so he didn't teach me that until I was 13. And um, we're going down the lake in one of those 14-foot John boats, you know, little 25-horsepower motor on the back, and uh, it's a tiny little thing. Well, Uncle Les was was 275 plus pounds or more, I'm, and uh, he, he had this determination inside of him that he gets the front of the boat, right? He's Captain Hook. He can do what he wants in this ship. <laughs> and uh, usually you put the weight distribution in the back, um, but not with Uncle Les. So we're cruising down the lake about 25 miles an hour, and Uncle Les does what sometimes some older people do. They just like to take a nap wherever they are, you know, like walking to dinner, you know, or... Some of you I see out here, you're sleeping on the pastor. We're cruising down the lake, and he falls asleep. And when he falls asleep, he falls over in the boat. This is the closest I've ever been to a shipwreck in my life, okay? I'm, 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 I'm telling you, here it is. And in that instant, he fell over, and he couldn't get back up, and he's laying in the side of the boat. And our boat instantly goes, and we start doing circles in this boat, He's leaning so heavily on the side that water starts coming in the side. Stuff is flying everywhere. I'm 12 years old. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, I'm going to die. I am freaking out. And in that moment, I'll never forget my dad as calm as he could be, like a good, calm dad. He grabs me by the back of my shirt and he chucks me in the other side of the boat and he throws himself like on top of me. And he was doing it to counterbalance the weight of sleeping Uncle Les on the other side of the boat. And while he's laying on top of me, he reaches over with his other hand and he grabs the kill switch and he pulls it out of the engine. And our boat just stops dead in the water. Thankfully, we were all alive. 
And at a, at a young age, I learned something about that story. You know, when we have storms or we find ourselves on a ship that feels like it's going down, we have a choice about how we respond. We can sleep through it. That didn't do very good for Uncle Les. The other option is this. We can freak out like I did. But the thing about freaking out is, and giving into fear is it doesn't really help the situation. You see, it may give something on the inside that makes you feel like you're working it out, but really nothing is happening. Or the third choice is this. We can trust our dad to do what our dad does best. Man, I'm so glad in my life and in our lives we have a heavenly father who when we're facing a storm and find ourselves needing someone at a moment's notice knows how to step in and do just what only he can do. And yet all the while having the strength to reach over and hit the kill switch on some of the storms that we're facing in our life. You see what happens when we reject the fear is we gain eyes to be able to see God do things we didn't think were possible. And when we reject fear, the storm changes. The perspective of the storm in our life changes. The other thing we learn from the story of Paul on the ship is not only did he reject fear, but he remembered something that was very valuable. A lesson that I think is valuable to us today and still proves true countless time after time after time. And that is this reality and the truth that we need to remember that God always finishes what he starts. God always finishes what he starts. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Be confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It's this confidence that God always finishes what he starts in our lives. You see, our confidence was never designed or wired by God or, or shaped um, to take its its cue from the condition of our circumstances, but rather by the conviction of our calling. Our confidence was never designed to be shaped by the condition of our circumstances because here's what happens when we do. If the days are good and you're on the beach on your honeymoon, your confidence is high. But when the waves take a dip and things don't happen the way you had hoped or planned, what happens is if our confidence is based on the condition of our circumstances, then our confidence levels drop. But when we base our confidence not by external circumstances, but by an internal booster of confidence from the Lord, what happens is the conviction of our calling, the conviction of our faith says, my confidence in the midst of this storm is that God is still who he says he is, and I can do all the things that he says I can do. So when we find ourselves in the storm, we have to remember that God will always finish what he starts. The temptation rises though, because if you think about Paul, where did Paul get his confidence? He's not sitting there looking into the dark sky thinking, man, this makes me feel good. He's not looking at the ropes on the boat and think, oh, you know what? I think we tied a pretty enough bow on this. I think we'll make it out okay. He's not listening to the hunger pains that are growing inside of him. No, he says, the God whom I serve and the God whom I've worshiped I spent time with him. The conviction of my faith says it will happen just as he said it would. And when you're facing a storm and you remember that God's not finished with your life yet, it changes something inside of you. Your confidence, even in the midst of the storm, is able to grow. And it leads you to the place where you can do the third thing, which is this. Refuse to quit. Refuse to quit. 
in the middle of the storm, when we remember that God is who he says he is and can do all the things that he says he can do, it gives us the strength and the confidence that we don't have to throw in the towel yet because God's not finished with us. Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 and 16 says this, let us hold fast our confession. Let us draw near to the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. We can have confidence. We don't have to quit. We must be steadfast in our confidence, willing to not quit, knowing that God always helps when he says he will help. You know, sometimes I think it could be easy to think, if my life wasn't so hard, I'd be a little bit more confident. If things weren't so difficult for me, maybe if it looked a little bit more like this, I would be more confident. But see, confidence was not, never designed and, and it was never made to take shape by the amount of pressure that you're facing in your life, but rather by your perspective on the pressure you're facing. You see, 276 men are on board the ship with Paul, and yet he is the only one who can stand up and say, men, I'm facing the same storm you're facing today. I see the same dark skies. I'm as hungry as you are. The writing is on the wall but yet I have a different perspective. My perspective is this, that I've strengthened myself. I've built my confidence in the Lord for a rainy day when I need it the most. And here we stand, men, and I have something to tell you. It's not over yet. And he gives confidence to a ship of men who feel like all hope has been lost in their lives. And it was just as God said it would be. The story goes on. The ship sinks, but not a single man perishes. You know, sometimes in our life, there are some things that sink on us, some ships in our lives that go down. But the, the thing we have to remember the most is just because the ship sank, it doesn't mean I have to sink with it. You know, um, the presence of a storm in our life can sometimes make us feel like God doesn't care. But when we read Hebrews chapter four, we can be reminded, encouraged that God always cares, that he sees you right where you're at. He's not like the list of honeydew projects that my wife has for this nesting season of ours that are unfinished. It's more like this. It's more like a God who sees and knows where you're at and says, hey, I want you to know something. I don't give up. I want you to know something, even though it feels like we haven't turned the corner yet, I'm working something beneath the surface in your life and you're going to make it out of this. You see, the temptation can be to believe that maybe we're messier than God thought. Maybe we're a little bit more difficult than the person down the street, so maybe God wants to spend his time elsewhere. But let me remind you today of his truth, that God loves you and cares for you. And if there's anything you can have confidence, it may not be standing in front of the mirror saying, I look good today. But if there's anything you can have confidence in, it's knowing that Jesus cares for your life. So don't give up. You know, there's a story of a family in our church. Uh, one of our youth pastors, Chris Fox, who does a great job here, he uh, ran into his neighbor. His neighbor's name is Travis. And Travis had been coming to the Ark Church for a little while. And uh, Travis came over to his front porch to tell him he's home on hospice. The doctors had sent him home, and the doctors had said, hey, Travis, you have about two weeks to live. Travis was undergoing liver failure. You could see it in Travis's skin. His skin was as yellow as could be. He would go to the doctors three to four times a week. They would run tests. They would clean out his blood. They would literally pump all the blood out of his body and put in new blood. 
And as they did that, um, Travis was talking to Chris and he said, hey, I just, just want to let you know things aren't looking good for us. He said, um, but you know, I really wish I would have got baptized at your church when I was there. He said something inside of me says, I just should have got baptized. And Chris looked at him and said, well, it just so happens, Travis. It just so happens that tonight we're doing a youth baptism service with a bunch of teenagers who want to get baptized for Jesus. Why don't you come? And so that night, Travis, a man on hospice with two weeks to live, decided to come to the church to get baptized after 60 kids hopped out of the tank. Travis got in the tank and was baptized. And his story was incredible. A man who is in the final storms of what feels like something he can't overcome makes the decision that I don't believe God has done with me yet. Makes the decision to say, I refuse to quit. And he gets baptized. Two days later, Travis goes to the doctors and the doctors run their weekly tests. The doctors run the test and they say, some things have come back and we're a little worried about what's happening here. We, we want you to come in on Monday. So Monday morning, Travis goes into the doctor and the six specialists sat before him. They said, Travis, here's what you need to know. 300 liver enzymes is the average human liver enzyme number. Liver failure, complete liver failure, needing to be on a liver transplant list is at 2,000. And Travis, you have been at 3,000. You shouldn't be alive. And they said, but Travis, in the last week, your liver enzymes have gone from 3,000 to 230. And the six specialists looked at him and said, Travis, what did you do? <laughs> and Travis looked back at him and said, I got baptized. I got baptized. I love his story, and here's why I love his story. Because it's a true testament of what God really can do in the middle of the storms of our life. And when we refuse the fear and when we refuse to quit and we remember that God can do all the things that he says he can do in our lives, it gives us the confidence to wake up in the morning and remind ourselves that God says it's not over yet. Let's pray this morning. Some of you have come in this morning and uh, you feel like you've surrendered your life to the storm. Some things have come about you weren't expecting. Some winds have blown in a direction you weren't hoping for. But tonight and this morning, I want to remind you that we can surrender our lives to Jesus. And when we do, it gives us the confidence we need to fight the battles that are ahead of us. If you've never said yes to Jesus, this morning is a great opportunity. Or maybe there's some times in your life where you feel like you gave your life to the Lord, but the winds have driven you along in another direction. This morning is a great opportunity for you to come back to Jesus and be reminded that he's not done with you yet. And if that's you this morning, we're not going to call you out or embarrass you. We're not going to make you come forward. We want to pray with you because we believe God can give you the confidence you need for the journey that you have ahead. If that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus this morning or come back to him, I want you to just simply slip your hand up because we want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. We see you in the back. Thank you. We see you. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a good God and you care for us. And you give us the confidence we need to fight the storms that we're in. And we ask this morning for an extra dose of confidence in our lives. And this morning we pray this prayer together. Dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now. 
I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven and I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. God, we thank you that you are so good and we are so faithful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.